In the third year of the rule of Judas, King Joachim, Babylon's King Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem and attacked it. The Lord handed Judas, King Jehoiakim, over to Nebuchadnezzar, along with some of the equipment from God's house. Nebuchadnezzar took these to Shinar, to his own God's temple, putting them in his God's treasury. Nebuchadnezzar instructed his highest official, Ashpenaz, to choose royal descendants and members of the ruling class of the Israelites. Good-looking young men without defects, skilled in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, conversant with learning, and capable of serving in the king's palace. Ashpenaz was to teach them the Chaldean language and its literature. The king assigned these young men daily allotments from his own food and the royal wine. Ashpenaz was to teach them for three years, so that at the end of that time they could serve before the king. Among these young men from the Judeans were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But the chief official gave them new names. He named Daniel, Belteshazzar, Hananiah, Shadrach, Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. It's an old story. One nation imports the people of another as slaves to, to use as they please, assigns them new names. The African slaves who were imported into this nation heard this story, the story of Daniel, and more than that, they knew this story. The book of Daniel was one that the black church knew very well. God gave knowledge, mastery of all literature, and wisdom to these four men. Daniel himself gained understanding of every type of vision and dream. When the time came to review the young men as the king had ordered, the chief official, official brought them before Nebuchadnezzar. When the king spoke with them, he found no one as good as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they took their place in the king's service. Whenever the king consulted them about any aspect of wisdom and understanding, he found them head and shoulders above all the dream interpreters and enchanters in his entire kingdom. We're in a series now looking to lessons from the black church in this nation. We're turning to stories that perhaps are beginning to be told more openly than in the past. The reading you just heard contains a powerful message. Here it is. God gave knowledge, mastery of all literature, and wisdom to these four. Education. When Jesus commissioned his church's work in the world, he gave his followers two main directives, teach and heal. Education is central to the purpose and mission of church. And education was a powerful tool to survive slavery in Babylon and in America. Even if you were a free black person in this nation, there weren't schools that would even have you. So, God's Spirit 
inspired church communities to, to see that need and to fill it. So Sunday school in the black church taught reading and writing on Sunday mornings. Richard Harvey Kane was born to free parents. His mother was Native American, Cherokee, and his father was a descendant of African slaves. He was one of those who, who grabbed hold of the education that Sunday school offered. And then later, he saw that if he became a Christian minister, he could continue to share the blessing of the education that he had received. Richard became an African Methodist Episcopal minister, serving over in Missouri, actually, and then he went up into Iowa and served a church up there as well, too. And while he was there, he educated as many people as he could. He knew the power of education to help the black community create jobs and opportunity. He also knew how limited the opportunities, even in free states, were for black people to go to school. So when the opportunity came for him to be one of the first people to attend Wilberforce College in Ohio, he jumped on it. Now, if you don't know Wilberforce University, it was started right before the Civil War as the first black university in this nation. And as they were getting the university going, its founder, William Wilberforce, he said, we are too young to realize that certain things are impossible. So we will do them anyway. I love that. I love that saying. Anyway, Richard Harvey Kane was right there in the midst of it all. And when the Civil War broke out, he and 115 other Wilberforce students attempted to enlist in the Army, the Northern Army, but they were rejected by the Ohio Governor William Dennison, Jr. So Reverend Kane moved to New York City to serve another church community. But this time, his church community saw the need of the moment, and that was to advocate for the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to the United States Constitution, outlawing slavery, recognizing black people as full citizens, and giving black men the right to vote. And all of this is before Reverend Kane was 40. And you know what? He was just getting started. Now, immediately after the Civil War, Reverend Kane was then called to serve Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina. In the same state, which the war had started just a few years earlier, and in the same church, which just a few years ago, a white supremacist who was trying to ignite a race war came and murdered nine people in Bible study. 
in that church community of Mother Emmanuel, which went out, grew to be the largest congregation in South Carolina, Reverend Cain saw the beginning of what would later be known as Jim Crow laws. And I want to pause for a moment, just, just a millisecond. Reverend Cain knew the story of Daniel. He knew how the story of education could help slaves survive. And there's one more line in the introduction to the book of Daniel. And Daniel stayed in the king's service until the first year of King Cyrus. King Cyrus emancipated the Jews who had been living under, as slaves under Nebuchadnezzar. Freedom requires responsibility, sacrifice even. For his entire life, Reverend Keene's passion for education had led so many into freedom. King Cyrus, President Lincoln, had emancipated slaves. Yet freedom, freedom requires responsibility. And so once again, the black church adapted to the need that was in front of it. And Reverend Cain entered politics and perhaps the most perilous years of his life. He and his family's lives were under constant threat of lynching. Threats of murder and of violence, like those carried out at Mother Church, Emmanuel Church just a few years ago. As I've said, it's an old story. Despite the, the constant threats, though, Reverend Cain made a successful run to become a member of the South Carolina legislature. His district elected him. A black man in South Carolina, seven years after the Civil War, then to the United States Congress in the House of Representatives. And immediately upon taking office, Reverend Kane spoke of a final battle of the Civil War, which would deal a fatal blow to slavery and fulfill the great mission of giving all people equal rights. In his speech on the House floor, Reverend Cain spoke of the ongoing issues of discrimination related to public transportation, hotel accommodations, and education. He said, we do not want any discrimination. I do not ask for any legislation for colored people of this country that is not applied to white people. All that we ask is equal laws, equal legislation, and equal rights. This civil rights law failed. And what actually got passed was completely gutted. And you know what the issue at stake was? The issue that caused it to fail? It came right back to the public education of black people. It's an old story. Education is central to a free society, and it is a grave concern when it is threatened. Here's a story from this last week. 
Tonight, many of the nation's historically black colleges and universities on heightened alert from Delaware to Florida to Louisiana. Hours with campuses locked down, orders to shelter in place because of more than a dozen bomb threats. Sad that it's really only HBCUs that are being targeted. At Howard University, bomb threats two days in a row, the third threat since January 5th. You take these threats seriously? Absolutely. Like many at these institutions, Dr. Tashni Ann Dubroy thinks the fact that it's the start of Black History Month is likely no coincidence. A month that usually celebrates the innovation of our community and uh, celebrates the valor of black people has now been tainted because we have such a significant threat against our HBCU community. At the White House, aides say the president is getting regular updates. It is scary. It is horrifying. It is um, terrible that these students, these faculty, these institutions are feeling under threat. The FBI saying they're working with our law enforcement partners to address any potential threats. For now, students like Ashley Fields are back in class with a lot of questions. We've not received any word about whether the two have been connected or, you know, where the threat has come from. It's not the ideal environment for students trying to learn. On Howard's campus now, a much bigger police presence, including help from the D.C. Metro Police, not usually stationed here. So far, authorities have not reported finding any explosive devices on any campus. Our story is part of an old story. It is God's will for all people to be free. This is the good news, the gospel, that the poor and the oppressed have heard in every time. This nation has witnessed the black church seeing the needs of the time and finding a way to fill them, to make a difference. Jesus calls church to, to teach and to heal. And we must be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves, as he said, when we see education threatened. And Reverend Kane, his civil rights legislation, it failed. And it took nearly a century for it to become law. And then in the next election, Reverend Kane didn't lose. South Carolina had redistricting, which changed the boundaries of his district to one in which a black man could not win. As I've said, it's an old story. Will you pray with me? God of history, you have been with us all along. You call your church in every time to resist evil, and to work for justice. So fill our hearts, not with just the courage of a moment, but the perseverance to continue your will that all people are truly free. And freedom comes with responsibility. And so touch each one of us with a sense of that responsibility to one another, and to all our sisters and brothers. Show us how we can find the needs in our time and fill them. Guided by your spirit, we pray. Amen. Through all the tumult and the strife, God remains faithful. In every time, God works through people like you and like me 
to continue the endless song of hope and freedom.